This is Capitalize Your Finances, the show representing you, a select group of excited, ready, and fired up listeners seeking to potentially maximize your money moves and get after it. We don't settle for generic advice of always and nevers. Our currency is our intellect, and we constantly seek the logical way of likely creating advantages to potentially maximize wealth for our personal and unique situations. This show brings you the step-by-step framework to capitalize your finances in the aspects of your financial situation. And we strive to explore strategies and ideas to potentially help you capitalize on your financial decisions. We are Capitalizers, and this is our show. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Finances. As always, I am your host, Christopher A. Paniotu, the Cap and Capitalize. And today, we have a very special guest, my new buddy, Eugene Marshall, a tax preparer out of Chicago. Eugene, welcome to the show. Chris, thanks for having me. Glad to be glad to be here. I'm glad to bless the stage. And we're going to have a great conversation um, today. So uh, the listeners are in for a treat. They are in for a treat. Well, and I'm glad you're feeling a lot better. I know last time you were getting over a little cold, but now for those that are just listening and not seeing your angelic face, you look alive and well, which is fantastic. Now, before we dive into your business of tax planning and ventures in real estate, and also I want to pause for a second. You know, a lot of people are probably going, well, why are you, in, why are you interviewing an enrolled agent, right, or a CPA type? Because a lot of these enrolled agents that I've met I'll just be really blunt. They do not run the best businesses out there. Um, And that's not better or worse. Generally, they're small, mom and pop. And you run an awesome juggernaut of a business. So you've got a great story to tell. But before we dive into that, I I first want you to explain to our capitalizers what led you to wanting to become an EA. Was Was there a class you took? Was there a mentor that led you in the right direction? Were you just born with numbers in your head? What's the deal? Yeah, great, great question. Um, Oftentimes I get a bit long-winded, so I try to keep things very short and simple because I know we have a lot to to, to cover today. Um, Yes, we do. But I want to give give a little bit of a backstory. So um, long story short, um, I started (coughs) investing in real estate in 2017. And started out doing wholesaling and then got into the fix and flip. And um, then we started doing the buy and holds. And a buddy at the time already had his own tax practice. He was a CPA and he was like, hey, you speak the language of real estate. You understand it. I have a ton of real estate clients. How about you come over here and ultimately help serve uh, some of the clients that, that we're working with? but more um, in, in a sales capacity. So I, I joined him in his, in his practice, and I'll keep, his, I'll keep that practice um, name for, forbidden. Um, okay. But long story short, <laughs> I, I joined his practice, and um, I was there for about three years, three and a half years, and I later became, he offered me <clears throat> the opportunity to become a partner um, at the practice. And part of me becoming a partner required for me to get my um, enrolled agent license or my CPA license. And this also gave me the opportunity to work with clients on a more advanced strategic level. So not only are we uh, talking about tax planning, but now I'm actually positioning them, um, their finances, their business, and their lifestyle in a manner to where we can ultimately try our best to create a tax-free lifestyle in in the process while simultaneously getting them in position to to ultimately build wealth. So that's how I ended up 
um, getting my enrolled agent license um, out of necessity. Interesting. So, because that's something I, I've I've noticed from a lot of uh, tax planners or tax professionals, if you will. Uh, a lot of them, what they do is they go from, you know, their profession to then understanding the ins and outs of real estate, and then they get into real estate or some other venture. Yours was the other way. So, so I wasn't going to ask this, but I'm just kind of curious. So what initially led you to the real estate side of things since that's what really catapulted your, 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 your success today? Like a lot of people that ultimately share their story, I ended up reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And he was talking about, you know, the ability to be able to uh, generate income while you sleep, right? And filling up your the, the 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 right side of your of your of your life, which is the asset column, and and not filling up the left side, which is the liability column. And so, when I was growing up, I always had mentors, and I remember um, going with them on the weekends to collect rent helping them out, mow the lawn. And at the time, I was very young. I wasn't quite uh, really grasping what was happening. I just knew that I was helping out on a weekend to do some things and come to find out that I was actually helping out one of my mentors uh, manage his uh, rental operation. And so I came across Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and one of the key things that stuck out to me was if you truly want to build wealth, you have to figure out how to ultimately create income without having to trade your time for it. And the best form of income is passive income because it's the least tax, right, of, of income. And then ultimately, everybody else, everybody needs a place to stay. So it's a, need, it's a need-based business. It's never going out of style. I mean, we're recording this podcast in some form of real estate right now, you know. So if we understand that, why not own a piece of it? And so that's what led me to the, the real estate space. One, the opportunity for me to be able to ultimately buy an asset with leverage so I can control an asset worth $400,000 with only putting down maybe ten dollars to $20,000. And then B, I can generate income while not physically have, having to trade my time for money. And three, I also get a ton of tax benefits from owning real estate as well. Sure. Well, now let's. I, I want to transition to where you are today. So, so before we dive into some of the big mistakes you see, and, and we'll try not to nerd out a tremendous amount, but this is a finance show. I don't think we're going to be able to help ourselves. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about Magnolia Tax Services. Yeah, so Magnolia Tax Services is a tax advisory practice that specializes in tax planning. Uh, we do a ton of tax debt resolution tax preparation, and accounting for individuals or small businesses. Okay. And what would you say are some of the most common mistakes that you see business owners make when it comes to taxes? Yeah. So the most common mistake that we see all the time is individuals trying to deduct owner's draws on their tax return. Ooh, so boy. they'll send us over a P&L, and on the P&L, there'll be a category for owner's draws. And they're trying to deduct the owner's draws on their tax return. And that's one of the biggest mis misconceptions <clears throat> that we see. So depending how an individual is set up, so in this example, if an individual is a single-member LLC taxed as a sole proprietorship, the amount of income that they pay themselves is not tax-deductible. 
okay, they have to pay taxes on that income because your owner's draws is essentially your net profit. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions that we see all the time is small business owners, A, um, not being fully aware that they cannot deduct owner draws, and then two, unfortunately, co-mingling funds. Now, from, from a business owner standpoint, obviously there's a ton that you can do as opposed to if you're an everyday employee, which is not a knock to, because most people are employees and that's okay. But fact of the matter from a, a tax strategy standpoint, generally speaking, there isn't nearly as much at the fingertips. Okay. And so I'm kind of curious, what are some of the mistakes that everyday people make it in their taxes? And, and before you answer that, one thing that I hear often is that you know, pick your poison, TurboTax or H&R Block, these online prep companies, tax prep companies, are the way of the future. And, and I, I believe they're going to be here for years to come, but you simply cannot replace human interaction and human value. And, and before I hired a CPA, uh, we had a, an enrolled agent, and we used to use TurboTax, and they found a ton of issues when, back when I was an everyday employee. So what are the common mistakes you see? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. So... In fact, we've we've done a lot of um, examinations, representations this year, right? And a lot of them came from self-prepared tax returns. I can't tell you how many clients got called for an examination for a tax return that they self-prepared. Mm -hmm. And I get it, right? It may be a little bit more cheaper. It may be a bit easier for you to just go on, on you know, Intuit, TurboTax, and ultimately file your taxes that way. But what happens is you actually put yourself at the highest level of exposure for an audit because you don't know what you don't know. And like you mentioned, Chris, nothing beats having that human that human interaction and being able to work with a tax professional. So A, um, we see clients doing a lot of self-preparing tax returns and then they end up in a situation where they get an audit. But to take it a step further, paying for personal things through the business, you know, <laughs> and trying to write off personal things that are not business related. And I think part of it because, uh, <clears throat> back to folks not really understanding what a legitimate tax write-off is, right? A tax write-off is anything ordinary and necessary in the pursuit of income for the business, you know, and a lot of taxpayers, a lot of small business owners think just because they own and operate a small business that everything is tax deductible. But it's not. And so we see a lot of a lot of clients, unfortunately, get called in for an examination because they're commingling funds and they have a ton of expenses in the other expense section on mm -hmm. their Schedule C. Mm -hmm. You know, in fact, Schedule C's are 20 times more likely to get audited than S corporations. Interesting. I did not know that. Well, so you mentioned. And, and thank you for agreeing with me on the human interaction. I've always told people, worst case scenario, if an enrolled agent or a CPA looks at your taxes and you did it right, then you may be down, you know, it's not a grotesque amount of money for, for a, an everyday W-2 employee. I mean, you may be down, what, a couple hundred bucks. I would much rather be down a couple hundred bucks and know that I'm good versus save that and then you get audited and God knows how much that's going to cost. Exactly. Not to mention the unwritten cost of heartbreak, headache, and frustration, and increased cortisol levels. But that's another, that's a whole other story 
What would you say are some of the best strategies you can give someone looking to save in the tax department? First, I want to start with business owners, and then I want you to follow up with the advice for just everyday employees that don't have the benefits. Yeah, so that's a great question. One of the first things that I always talk to my clients about, the first step towards tax planning is understanding how a business is set up, right? Because how that business is set up is going to be the foundation for what we implement and execute periodically throughout the year. And that looks at that looks like us looking at the type of entity that your business is operating within, right? Do we even have an entity? What's the purpose of us having an entity to begin with, you know? And so it's levels to it. The, the moment that you decide to get into the entrepreneurship space, you immediately tax as a sole proprietor. As that business, uh, as that business begins to generate revenue, right, maybe at some point in time we start to think about, okay, let me actually go get some form of legal structure. Let me get a limited liability company. Let me get an LLC so that I can get inside protection and outside protection. But I'm still taxed as a sole proprietorship. And so as you begin to continuously build systems in your business that generates leads, leads and create opportunity for you to close, close, close those leads, now we have more revenue coming in. So the moment that we see a client generate over $30,000 in net profit, now we're thinking about, okay, how do we save on self-employment taxes? And we're not paying self-employment tax on our entire net profit. And then we introduce the concept of them being taxed as an S-corporation, mm-hmm. which comes with a whole different um, set of variables so that we can maintain compliance and so forth. But the first thing that we're looking at is how the business is set up, right? The second thing is, let's just talk about some easy write-offs, some easy things that we can do that don't expose the business too much, but it's also an opportunity for us to save money. And that's with meals, right? I love being able to write off meals, in 2020, Chris, what, what happened in 2020? Do you know what happened in 2020? There's a lot that happened in 2020. I don't know if we have enough time to go over all the things that happened in 2020. What was one of the biggest things that happened that changed, that, that changed the world in 2020? Enlighten our listeners. COVID, right? So, so COVID happened in 2020. When COVID happened, everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Everything shut down. In restaurants, they suffered. You know, because patrons couldn't come out, they couldn't eat, they couldn't grab cocktails, they couldn't do anything. And so the economy came up with PPP loans, they came up with EIDL, and they came up with some other, uh, they came up with stimulus checks as well to ultimately stimulate the economy. Well, one way to stimulate the economy is by uh, changing the tax code. And so what they did in 2021 and 2022, they said, hey, we're going to make meals 100% tax deductible because they wanted small business owners to get back out there and spend money at these restaurants, help push these restaurants, lift these restaurants off the ground. So they changed the tax code. And as long as you discuss business before, during, or after, that meal in 2021 and 2022 was 100% tax deductible. So if you care about your business and you're passionate about your business, there's no reason why you can't go out there and talk about business. Matter of fact, I talk about business so much, I can't tell you a time that I go out to eat and that meal is not tax deductible because I'm always talking about the business. So in 2023, 
tax year, they put meals back to 50%. Okay? But as long as we talk about business before, during, or after the meal, that business is that that meal is 50% tax deductible. So we're looking at meals. That's an easy one. Okay. Mm-hmm. The second one is home office, right? Everybody should have a home office. Everybody should have a home office. And I'll give you, I'll give you some strategy here. So we have a lot of clients in the firm that are realtors. Okay. And realtors, what do they do? They drive from showing to showing to showing to showing. They leave their house, go to a listing. Well, the moment that you leave your house to go to that first listing, the IRS actually considers that commuting miles. Mm-hmm. Okay? They don't consider that business miles. But when you leave from that first listing to go to the second listing, those are business-related miles. So what's the strategy? How do we capture miles at the beginning? And the easiest way to do that is for us to establish a home office, right? So now we establish a home office, which is an area in our principal place of residence that we use regularly and exclusively for business. So what happens is now we're leaving business, home office, to business. And so now those miles become business miles instead of commuting miles because we're leaving from home office to business, and so there's two ways that ultimately we can take a home office deduction, right? We can leverage the simplified method, which is relatively simple, very easy, and the IRS will give you $5 a square feet up to $300, up to 300 square feet, right, for a total of a $1,500 tax deduction. Or we can go the actual method. And the actual method is when we're looking at the percentage use of your entire house, right, that you use for home office that you use for business purposes. So now we can write off 20% of utilities. We can write off 20% of the internet. We can write off 20% of everything that ultimately allows us to function and conduct business in that house. So those are some of the easy, quick wins that we're looking at for a client right off the bat. Okay. And those are business owners. What about everyday people? Yeah, everyday people. So you should be contributing to your 401k. Mm -hmm. Easy. Right. Never leave any money on the table at all. <clears throat> I got some clients right now, employer giving give, giving them the match. I say, hey, at the bare minimum, matching out. At the bare minimum. Right. Let's not leave any money on the table. So let's put some money into a 401k. Right. And of course we got traditionals and we have Roth, but if we're looking for a tax deduction right now, let's go ahead and contribute to the traditional. Yep. We're also looking at, you know, health savings accounts. That's one of my favorite accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, one of one of my favorite accounts, right? Because you get a tax deduction for putting money into the plan, right? You can spend the money on qualified medical expenses. Three, you can invest the money, so the money grows over time. And then the fourth one, a lot of people don't know about this, but when you turn sixty-five, you can actually use the money for whatever you want. So you can spend the money on other things that are not qualified medical expenses, right? But we can get that tax deduction now simply by just leveraging some of those easy wins. Match out the 401k, right? Yeah. Max out an HSA, right? Yeah. These are, or for our high-income earners, right? And this is where things get a little bit more complicated. Um, but we may even introduce the 
uh, opportunity for us to create a private a private family foundation, mm-hmm. right? We can leverage a private family foundation or a donor advised fund, yeah. right? These are all opportunities for us to lower our taxable income now and ultimately feed it to a place that we can either benefit later or an organization or someone else can. Capitalizers, this episode is sponsored by the best-selling book, Capitalize Your Finances, the how-to framework that takes you from compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. Regardless of where you're at in your financial life, whether you're just beginning to express interest and commitment to your personal finances, at the pinnacle of your career, winding down into retirement, or thinking about your legacy for future generations, this book walks you through every step of the way so you can succeed on your terms and with your own values and passions guiding you. After reading this book, you will officially have Christopher A. Paniotu, the cap in Capitalize, in your back pocket, guiding you in detail through every step of the way so that you can take charge of your finances, not the other way around. Head on over to Amazon.com today and start capitalizing your finances to the fullest with this incredible book, Capitalize Your Finances, the how-to financial framework that takes you from compoundingly clueless to monetarily magnificent. And now, back to the episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's really high income for listeners out there. I mean, that is, that is the Olympics of income. Now, you know, you mentioned, and I want to talk a little bit about the real estate side of things. So we, we already talked about what led you into the world of real estate and what led you utilizing it for building your worth. Um, you mentioned this briefly, but I want to dive a little bit further so when you were talking real estate, we're talking like single family rentals, but are there any other specific types of real estate for you that you've focused on or you've gained particular interest on? I love multifamily. <laughs> I love multifamily properties, mm-hmm. uh, two units, three units, four unit buildings, uh, 10 unit buildings. We just looked at a 24 unit new construction, um, on Monday and, um, I, I, I love cash flow. You know, if, if you can, here, here, here's, here's a secret. It's, actually, it's not a secret. Okay. If you want to build wealth, okay. First understand that wealth is built over time. It's not built overnight. And unfortunately, Chris, as you know, there's a lot of people right now that has, that have a microwavable mindset and they want instant results. Unfortunately, life and success don't work that way. Although Instagram and Facebook and TikTok may portray it to be, <laughs> you know, it, oh, it, yeah. it may portray it to be. But one of the biggest concepts that that changed my life was uh, get money, buy income. Mm-hmm. Get money, buy income. So, as a taxpayer, as an individual, as an entrepreneur, <laughs> as a um, individual that works a corporate job and they want to build wealth. The number one question that you should be asking yourself is how can I buy more income? Mm -hmm. How can I use the money that I have right now to buy more money? Mm -hmm. That's all we're doing. We're just buying more money. It's interesting you say that. um, I've become good buddies with – in in, in the world of podcasting, as I was telling you before the show, you you get to become friends with with guests. Not all of them, but, you know, the majority of them in – uh, one of uh, one of our guests that has become a good buddy is uh, Alec Engel, the mm-hmm. fullback for Miami Dolphins. Alec, shout out. Uh, you're doing great this year. Keep up the good work. And uh, I remember we were talking after the show for like an hour. 
and you know we've worked with athletes before and, and one of the things that i told him and we were having a really good conversation and he's he's a lot of these athletes as a side note they get a bad rap saying or, or when people assume that you know they're not sophisticated or educated about money that is the farthest thing from the truth they are extremely gifted not only athletically but in the world of money absolutely the issue though is there's a lot of noise out there and they're they're very understandable about that and so they're trying to absorb all this knowledge and the majority of it's garbage and i told him i'm like what is what is the main goal for your money he kind of looked at me and, you know, you could go a million different ways with that. And a lot of people in planning, they go, okay, right, what are your goals? What are your dreams? They don't actually mean anything by it, but they're asking because they're trying to lure in based on emotion. I go, dude, I'm just going to tell you what your main goal is. As an athlete, your only goal is to figure out what your expenses are, work backwards, and invest as much money as prudently as possible to replace that income because... If you tear your ACL again, because he almost he almost was done in the league, mm. you want to be able to walk out on your terms, not your finances or lack thereof's terms. And I could feel it. It just kind of hit him in the face. We actually wrote an episode on capitalizing your finances as an NFL athlete as a quick shout out to myself, not to be self-serving here on my own show. But it's one of those things where I'm, I'm really glad that you're you're promoting that to people because... And it's also not rocket science. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. now real estate is not the only answer for those compliance people out there that have a gun to my head. Yeah. Um, but but you get it. Like, as long as you figure out what your main strategy is or strategies are, once you get there, really, who the heck cares? You know, Charlie Munger has a great quote saying, envy is the silliest sin of them all because it's not even fun. Mm. And people get envious of, you know... Like, let's say that you're in these multifamily deals and, you know, you know, rentals or duplexes, and I'm super jealous of that. Well, if my money's working appropriately for me, why the hell should I care? Yeah. You know, why should I care? Now, you did mention something regarding real estate. So I love cash flow too. I'm not a tattoo guy, but if I was, I think cash flow would be the first to go <laughs> on my forehead. But I want to pick your brain at this. So... Unless you're living under a rock, um, interest rates have risen over the last yes. couple of years, plus or yeah. minus substantially. Yes. And so how has that affected your portfolio and what are some of the things you are doing to mitigate those risks, obviously to the best of your abilities, because you can't avoid it completely? That's the million dollar question. So yeah, interest rates have definitely affected us, you know, and- Earlier, I mentioned one of the beautiful things that I like about real estate is that I can control an asset worth $400,000, $500,000 through leverage, okay? Meaning that I can control an asset worth four hundred, three hundred, dollars $300,000 only having to put down maybe ten dollars to $20,000, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, what we're seeing, typically when, you, when we see interest rates go up, we see house prices go down. Unfortunately, we're not seeing that. We're seeing house prices stay the same. In fact, we've even seen in some markets house prices going up still. Mm-hmm. And inventory is low right now. There's a shortage of inventory. You talk to a realtor that's in a game, they'll tell you. So it has affected us a ton. And so 
with it affecting us, now we have to factor that into the numbers. Most investors, they like to look at the 1% rule. Okay, They want the gross rents to at least be 1% of the purchase price of the property. We're not seeing that right now. You know, it's very hard for you to get a property that's meeting the 1% rule. It's still possible, but very hard. So what do you do? So as we're analyzing these deals, okay, maybe we may have to put more money down just for the numbers to make sense. But even then, okay, well, we don't want to have to put down 30%, 40%, because now that defeats leverage, right? This defeats us being able to control the asset with 20% or lower down. And by the way, while we're on this topic, on November 18th, uh, conventional loans, you'll be able to purchase multifamily properties with only 5% down using a conventional. And that goes into effect on November 18th. At first, it was 15% for duplexes, two units, and then it went up to 20 to 25% the more doors that you were buying. But on November 18th, you can now only put down uh, 5% on multifamily properties through conventional loan products. But that's neither here nor there. So what have we done to pivot? Okay, well, now we've started to look at more um, off-market deals. And we've always sourced off-market deals anyway because off-market deals are the best. You're not competing with people on, on the market, folks that are willing to pay twenty dollars to $30,000 to $40,000 over asking price, right, which can also kill your deal. So we're looking at off-market properties. And we're also looking at the ability for us to buy creatively, okay? When I say buy creatively, now we're looking at opportunities for us to entertain land contracts, contract for deeds, where the seller can offer seller financing and we can negotiate our own terms, right? Where the seller can say, hey, I'm willing to be the bank. And they can give us a more affordable, more um, interesting interest rate that's worth entertaining rather than us buying through the buying through a you know federal institution. So we're looking at seller financing. We're also looking at subject to deals where we can still control the asset and assume that particular seller's uh, prior interest rate. So that's kind of what we've pivoted to. And I tell you right now, it's been, it's been very interesting, very tough, because a lot of things on the market right now does not make sense. And even as an accountant, right, I get clients that send me deals all the time. Hey, can you help me run the numbers on this? Unfortunately, it doesn't make sense. So I find it interesting right now for people that are buying these deals that I've analyzed. And I'm wondering, like, hey, how are, they, how are you making money on this? Are you buying just to dangle some, some, some keys for social media to say, hey, I bought a duplex, I bought a, a triplex, a four unit? Or are you actually buying cash flow? And so those are some of the things that, uh, we pivoted to, and those are some of the things that we're seeing in the market. Unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff out here that's just not making sense. There's a <laughs> that that last sentence is like the icing on all of the cakes. I mean, you mentioned the five percent uh, down payment on November eighteenth, and I don't know about you. And, and again, I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole, but that's a um, that in and of itself is a huge red flag because now you've got people where next thing you know, you're putting down absolutely nothing. You suddenly own a property where you could argue there are some people out there 
that own properties, they sh- they can't afford it, but somehow they're able to. Um, there, there's a lot there. And then you, you talk about, you know, God forbid you're doing a development deal, right? Like that, uh, the construction cost is through the roof, getting a loan for that. It all compounds um, and it can be very difficult. Uh, I will say this, you know, for our listeners listening in that are very real estate focused, sometimes the best action is no action at all. Um, and I think Eugene, I'm getting the nod for those that are not watching, that are listening. So he is agreeing with me on that. Um, now I, I wanted to, you know, out of respect for your time, cause I know you're a busy guy and I'm, a, I'm very appreciative that you took time to come on our show, but I wanted to ask you if you could go back to when you started in the world of tax planning and real estate, what would be some of the best pieces of advice you would give your younger self? It's a great question. Um, meet more people. Mm. Meet, meet, meet more people. Um, I've always been a guy that prioritized personal, professional, and self-development. And I'm a firm believer in that um, your, your bank account is nothing more and nothing less than a reflection of what you have up here in your head. And this is the best piece of real estate that you can ever invest in. Okay, the two inches between your ears. These, this, your brain is the best piece of real estate that you can ever invest in. It starts up there. So what I would do is I would, I would meet more people. And I would prioritize investing in community, Mm. you know, investing in community because it's the people that can ultimately, it's relationships. Let's just say that it's relationships that can take your business to the next level. And if you're not prioritizing meeting the right people and understanding who the right people are by asking the right questions that align with your core values, that align with your business mission and purpose, then it's going to take you a lot longer to get there. So I would prioritize investing in community, and investing in community may look like you going to a conference, you know, and maybe it's not the free conference. Maybe it's the conference that costs 5000 Maybe it's the conference that costs 10000 so that you can get around people that have the same level of aspirations or uh, what I like to call like-minded success seekers. Mm-hmm. And there's a study that shows... If you hang around high performers, okay, you're going to perform 30% better than you were prior to you hanging around high performers. And it's the opposite. If you hang around low performers, then you're going to perform 15% less, right, within the first 30 days if you hang it around low performers. So I would invest in community quicker. And it took me, um, it took me a while to understand how powerful community actually is. And a lot of people, they spend a lot of time on um, what they call it, YouTube University, um, reading books, and all that stuff is good. But at some point, you got to get out there. You got to start shaking hands. And part of you shaking hands may require for you to get on a flight. Okay? It may require for you to get on a flight. It may require you a six-hour, eight-hour drive. But you got to do whatever it takes as soon as possible and as, and as early on as possible so that later on you can be, you can reap the benefits of those relationships that you sow. So that was probably that probably would be the one um, that I would that I would roll with is invest in community sooner. That is a perfect 
last answer to the question before we close out. And I will say this, speaking of flying out, we're going to have to uh, get you out to the Capitalize HQ and, and sign the Keep Capitalizing board uh, within the next year or so. I won't charge you it. five or $10,000. I do will it. not do that. Okay. But, um, you know, you might have to pay for the, the flight and then I'll, I'll pay for your dinner. Now, where can our capitalizers go? Our award-winning fans to follow and support you. Yeah, so you guys can follow me on all social media platforms at underscore underscore Mr. Marshall. If you'd like to ultimately have a free discovery call with someone on our team, we'd happy we'd be happy to take a look at your your tax situation. And you can go to magnoliataxservices.com. We do offer a free 15 minute um, consultation, or you can give us a call directly in our office, 414-285-2446. Uh, we have a pleasant front office. Every time you call, they'll, they'll, every time you call, when they answer the phone, it's a great day at Magnolia Tax Services. How can we help you smile today? And that's what we want to do, right? We want our clients to smile. We want our clients to call in and know that they're going to be working with a trusted partner, right? And we partner with our clients, you know, because we have a vested interest in you being financially well off. So those would be the, the, the best ways to ultimately reach us and reach me directly. Perfect, perfect. Well, Eugene, thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you that are listening in, to you veterans out there, you know the drill. To you newbies out there, first off, welcome to the Capitalized Community. If you have any questions about today's episode, hit me up, 253-214-3050. That is 253-214-3050. You give us a call, I'll answer your questions. If you're more of an email guy or a gal, that's totally fine. Hit me up, chris at capitalizeyourfinances.com. And lastly, if you're listening in and saying, whoa, this show is pretty fantastic, unbiasedly, I'd love to be a guest on the show. Head on over to capitalizepodcast.com. If you shoot us a DM, my team and I, we look at it every single day. And if you're fortunate enough, you may become a guest on Capitalize Your Finances. As always, I'm your host, Christopher A. Paniotti, the Cap and Capitalize. And until next time, keep capitalizing. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is not specific to any individual's personal circumstances. You should always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principal. IRA withdrawals will be taxed at ordinary income rates. Withdrawals prior to age 59 and a half may also be subject to a 10% penalty tax. Roth IRA distributions of principal from a Roth IRA are tax-free. However, any earnings will be taxed at ordinary income rates, and a 10% penalty tax will apply if withdrawn prior to age 59 and a half or within five years of the date the Roth IRA was established, whichever is longer. Christopher Paniotu is a registered representative with and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. The investment professionals are affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Capitalize Your Finances, a separate entity from LPL Financial. Eugene Marshall and any other individual or company mentioned in this podcast are not affiliated with Capitalize Your Finances or LPL Financial.